Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza and hopefully you're enjoying the new year and it's getting off to a great start. Listen, we have a podcast. We have a whole bunch of podcasts coming your way. I think this month alone, we have nine different guests coming on the on the show. So there's a lot of stuff coming out uh, over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for all that. That's assuming everybody gets here. Sometimes we have to rework schedules and stuff like that. But listen, this episode is a lot of fun. Um, we're talking to Mark LaFleur, who's one of the co-founders of truelocal.ca. True Local is T-R-U l-o-c-a-l dot c-a so it's true without the e true local dot c-a and what they are is uh, basically a subscription service where you can get a box of meat from local farmers delivered to your doorstep every month so there's no like long-term plan to this thing you can just go off and go on their website select the cuts of meat that you want they now have like wild fish as well our family gets some wild salmon from them um, we're customers of them in full disclosure um, we're not connected to, by, to them in any way we're just fans of them so we thought, why don't we just reach out? Because they obviously fit with our whole your life, your terms message. You know, we're trying to help people build streams of income and build some asset bases in their lives through real estate. What these guys are doing is breaking down and making it much more simpler to get local, good quality food options delivered to your door. So in the last few years, many of you have probably listened to Nick and I talk about different food options. And Nick and I will often argue about different foods and diets and that whole bit. Uh, but the bottom line is we both both want access to good quality food and what true local has done is made it really simple for you to go online and order your good quality meats from local farmers here in Ontario and it delivers to your door, uh, doorstep. This kind of stuff has been available in the States, but it's a pretty new concept to Canada. It works really well. So we thought, why don't we just reach out to them and have them on the podcast to talk about their uh, their story. And the best part about Mark coming in here to the Oakville offices and sit down for the, for the podcast is that he's just a super interesting guy himself. So we had a great chat about True Local and how that all got started in their Dragon's Den appearance because they were on Dragon's Den. But just about him and his life He's 27 years old. He was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year really early in his 20s and decided to quit that job that he was doing so he can go off into the world of entrepreneurship. So he kind of fits that whole your life, your terms message directly. He's kind of a, a real living, breathing example of that. So the, the show ended up being a great chat of someone who's living life on their terms and the company that they're forming with his co-founder, truelocal.ca, is just a great company as well. So it kind of worked on multiple levels. So we had a great chat i think you're going to listen uh, love it especially if you have anyone in your if you're a parent and you have your kids about to go to university or in university just to hear how one graduate uh, made his way through university and then what they did right after university is super interesting to us so we think you're going to find that really beneficial and at the end he shares a discount code if you're going to test them out he was offering anyone listening to this podcast this we didn't ask him for this he just decided to do this which is super cool um, there's a code it's your life 20 which will get you $20 off your first box from them and a pack of bacon. So it's your life 20 is the discount code. If you're going to go experiment with them, try them out. Um, you get $20 off and a free pack of bacon. So, and before we get started with this, if you're listening to this and you think 2019 may be the year that you're going to start real estate investing, you can get a free copy of our book, which breaks down how some of the strategies that we've used with hundreds and hundreds of investors at this point, it's literally been thousands of investors. We've done over a billion dollars of real estate investment with investors here in Ontario. And one of the strategies we've used is summarized in this book called Income for Life for Canadians. It's been downloaded tens of thousands of times times by people all across the country at this point. You can get a free digital copy of that book at 
rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So if you're listening to this and you need a copy of it or you want to give this to a copy of some, uh, this, this to uh, someone, you can get a copy and email it off to them or send them a link. It's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books for a free digital copy of Income for Life for Canadians. I think that's it. I've spoken enough on the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Good. So we are live. We got you, Mark. We have you locked in here now. I just want to share how I first heard about you. Um, because I was ordering, I think I was still doing the cow thing where I ordered the, I think Nick and I ordered a full cow once that we split. That took like half my freezer. Probably knocking each other that was the a couple, heads trying yeah, to get the steaks. Yeah, that yeah. was a couple years ago. Yeah. That was uh, the first time we did, you said it right. The first mm. time we got a cow, we laid it all on the ground. And I think we're like, okay, you have the two, could st- these two steaks. Yeah. I'll take these two steaks. Do you remember dividing it up like that? Yeah, we were, but it was, wasn't like I'm getting a strip loin no, and no, you get no. a strip loin. It was just like whatever, I don't care, yeah, you yeah. know. No, but uh, yeah, and then uh, got into true, got into true local, and uh, just like the idea that I wasn't gonna have like twenty thing packages of like ground beef or stew for uh, beef for stew that yeah. I can actually choose the food I wanted to 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 get. So I wanted to choose the steak. I think from you guys, I typically get. The wild salmon, yep. which I'm big kind of big fan favorite. Yeah, is it? Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. blown away with that absolutely. wild salmon. Uh, so the wild salmon, I get the bone broth. Um, I've had ribeye steaks. I have uh, the chicken. Yep. I get the, the I think it's like a chipotle chicken. Oh, yeah, a lemon the marinated. One, yep. The marinated chipotle chicken is really good. Um, and I'm lazy too, so I can't cook very well. So having anything like that's really even good. one step oh, of the way man. closer to being ready to eat, like it, that's right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. So just, I had no idea in Canada we had the ability. I thought we always had to go to the farms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to start kind of stepping back one step. And I don't even know if you have all these answers, but why do you like it? Just before we pressed record here, you were telling Nick, Hey, as long as people aren't getting food, you know, or, or as long as I think your point was, as long as they're getting good quality food, right. we're happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's throwing the grocery stores under the bus. Let's say, but he didn't say any names. So I was just going to avoid it. But yeah, but we all did. So we all agreed immediately. So, um, why are you saying that? Like, what is it about that that is important to you? Yeah. So it's funny. So if you talk to me, I guess probably like six years ago now when I was in school, like I didn't really care where I was getting my food at all you know like I would go to buy anything on sale you know ground beef 199 a pound like that was right on my alley and it wasn't until I stumbled into this job that it was in the meat space which I couldn't tell you how I ended up getting it like my degrees in health and I totally veered into this random area but like I was telling you before my buddy said I talked really fast and he's like you know what sales is for you so watch try doing this and uh it blew my mind at the difference between you know farm raised value-added meat products and conventional farming so we just realized that there wasn't really somebody making it super easy and making it convenient like a lot of the times the solutions out there were getting a half cow and then you end up with some prime cuts and a lot of the leftovers that you might not be into or it's a a brown paper bag sort of solution so we figured look like there's a lot of cool things going on with e-commerce let's take some best practices from other industries and make these make this type of stuff easy to get for people so that's kind of how it all all sort of came about 
And uh, the, your website is pretty easy to use. I'm going into full freaking sales pitch mode for them. I didn't think <laughs> I was going to go that quick into yeah, sales. The website is really good, but it is a good yeah, website. But, but the reason that I find I'm telling people about it is I didn't realize how healthy quality meat can be for you. Yeah. Uh, and I have the story to share is that I took a friend of mine to, uh, we have relatives in Croatia. Okay. I took them over to Croatia and all they do in that country is talk about food quality and where you're getting your food. Even if you eat at a restaurant, they're like, oh, well, we know where that guy gets his vegetables from. So yeah. don't eat there. You want to eat here. Like their whole lives are around food yeah. quality, right? And I took him over there and this is probably like 20 years, Nick, this is Marco. I took him over there and my aunt and, uh, you know, family over there, they cook up some meat and it was uh, you know, all chopped up. It's not nice cuts like we do here. It was all kind of chopped up. And they gave him the fattiest pieces that they could get off this thing. And yeah. when we were leaving there, he's like, your family really hates me, man. He goes, I was trying to pull for some of the lean pieces and your aunt would slap my hand yeah. and give me the fatty pieces. And it always stuck with me. We always joke about it for years. We kind of joked about it. And then it was uh, a couple years later, I was back there and I asked my aunt about it. And uh, she's like, no. She goes, we consider the fattier chunks of meat from a healthy, the way she said it is she said, the fat on a healthy animal is where all the nutrients are. We were trying to give him the best cuts of meat. So we, the lean pieces, we don't actually fight over. We try to get like the fatty kind of good, as long as it's a healthy animal. Yeah. And it blew my, you know when you have one of those moments where I'm like, blew my mind i'm like wow i had no idea yeah so like me it blew my mind too to be honest so like i didn't even know that till recent well i guess a little while ago but like there is a lot of different preferences when it comes to meat like if you're somebody who's a little bit more health conscious you might be going for more lean cuts but there is like a massive school of people out there that when they talk about quality meat it's the more marbling and the fattier and all that type of stuff right so our focus has always been more towards sort of the 100 grass-fed leaner cut side but you're right 100 like a lot of people will be like oh i don't want that cheap lean meat like i want the more marbled stuff which is actually kind of a big joke in the industry because now arguably leaner meat is lower quality so arguably let's say a grass-fed product giving leaner meat is a lower quality but now supply and demand producers and farmers are understanding this they're actually raising prices on it so it's this crazy phenomenon going on where they're raising prices on the grass-fed yeah, stuff even though mm -hmm. it's arguably once again for different reasons a lower quality type of meat so if you look at like, I prefer the lean meats, like I'm more of a lean meat kind of guy. So I'll always go for a grass fed and true local is kind of all around sort of the idea of more sustainable farming and smaller scale. And that's where you'll get sort of the leaner cuts, but it's in the past five years, like it's, it's really changed. Like if you talked about it five years ago, everything was about, well, is this product AAA and AAA is in no way, shape, or form talking about quality. Is talking about marbling, and everybody wanted AAA products because they. Wanted I think everybody still talk. Uh, the is majority that what it is. People. AAA is only marbling. Yeah, AAA is only marbling. So AAA has to do with the marbling and the grade of the beef. So in Canada we have like A, AA, AAA, and in the U.S. it's like prime, USDA prime. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I thought that so it's the but it's nothing to do with the the grade. It's, it's just to do with the grade and the marbling. Oh, and the grade as yeah. well. Okay, okay. And how do they? I don't even know. Do you know how do they grade? What's the grade of an animal? In this you know, country? I always say this. Like I do a good job of dealing with the farmers independently, but when it comes to actually going down and grading the stuff, I couldn't tell you yeah. too, too much about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah. always go ahead and source out like the products. We also have, we have AAA products and we also have 100% grass fed. So one of the things that we realized as well was that people want choice. So we've got products, for example, that are 100% grass fed, but we've also got products that are organic. 
So we give people the ability to choose. And we realized that when we started really seeing that true local was more of a marketplace rather than kind of forcing one train of thought onto people. Yeah, I guess that's smart from a business point of view. I would probably just want to force what I thought was good for everybody. But from a business point of view, it makes sense. It's more of a marketplace. Choose what you want. Yeah. And all of it obviously revolves around the local, sustainable, healthier, high quality aspect of it. But, you know, we you know, there's a hard argument to be made for organic versus 100 percent grass fed. And there's no right answer, to be honest. Like, what do you prefer? What are you going after? Right. They all have their pros and cons. So what we like to do is when you go to a lot of places, usually they're going to really lean heavily and pitch heavily the product that they're offering because they'll usually only offer one. If it's a 100% grass-fed beef farmer, they're going to talk about how, you know, uh, corn-fed is bad. And if it's a corn-fed farmer, they're going to talk about how grass-fed isn't as good or isn't as tasty. The nice thing about what we do is because we offer organic and we offer 100% grass-fed and then we offer, one, you know, um, uh, raised without antibiotics, people get to choose what matters most to them. And that's kind of where we started seeing True Local take off was just kind of finding these suppliers that do things locally, do things sustainably and giving people access to these suppliers directly yeah got it so it wasn't enough just to offer like a grass-fed solution you really needed to offer other solutions to make the business survive what about supply though do you guys so like i i want to ask when you were talking about the wild salmon like at certain times a year can you do you always have wild salmon you can't get it at certain times a year right we do always have wild salmon so with that being said like we're still tiny company like you know we service our ontario supplies we only service ontario and for us we get the wild caught salmon from alaska so if you're in ontario you're getting wild caught alaskan salmon if you're in bc obviously you're getting the wild caught bc salmon so it comes from different suppliers depending where you are the whole point of true local revolving around the local aspect is that people in ontario get ontario suppliers obviously with the exception of the fish because you're not going to find any ontario salmon right alberta gets Alberta suppliers and BC residents get BC suppliers. So that's kind of one of the fun parts about it is going, building these relationships with all these different suppliers and learning the ins and outs because each Logistically, that must just be, that sounds like tough work, man, setting up all those local connections. Yeah, it's no right. joke. Like, to go to all the farms? Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. And we've been to every single farm. Like we've, the, the final frontier for us was actually the fish. So on our website, we actually list the suppliers we work with and we do like little showcase videos of them so people can see kind of the behind the scenes and where it's coming from. And we'd been to every single, like from start to finish sort of supplier and see how the animals were raised and everything and the one final frontier was obviously the fish so we use for example in kitchener we use um coddles catch and they're out of kitchener but they're obviously getting the salmon from alaska so we went to their place to see how they kind of process it and package it but we've never actually seen the animals so it wasn't until we got to bc and we're dealing with a company there called organic ocean some of the coolest guys i think we've ever met and they actually took us on their on their fishing boat and we actually were pulling salmon out of the water like it was the craziest thing That's so cool. like we've now i can genuinely say that like i've seen the ins and outs of the majority of the industry and it was a really really cool, cool. experience so so uh, to nick's point though i guess at some point as you guys grow you may at some point run out of the ability to have wild caught salmon nick if half of Ontario freaking start using true local. They're not going to be able to supply it. Imagine that much, but right now you don't have a supply issue. Right now we don't have any supply issues. We're yeah. doing good right now. And I didn't even explain when we started this and maybe in the intro, I'll, I'll have done this by the time you're listening to this part of this, this podcast, but um, the meat arrives in a box. Yep. So it arrives in a box, all the cuts that you've selected with some dry ice. Yep. It's amazing. Fun stuff. So are you, is that out of a distribution center? Obviously then in Ontario, you guys are putting oh, all yeah. those boxes together from all the different farmers. Yeah. Like we literally like hand pack those boxes. Hand- so we have, so we have a place that we ship out of in Ontario that goes to Ontario orders. We have a place in Alberta and we have a place in BC. 
Yeah, cool. And then I noticed some of the packaging is from the farms directly. So you guys are getting that f- food from the farm. Oh, yeah. They've packaged it. You're putting it in my box and sh- shipping That's, it off to me. We don't do any of the packaging ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Like we connect directly with these farms. Like we're the ones who are able to get them all together and give you kind of that one stop shop location. Mm-hmm. But that's you know our whole our true. It's called true local connecting you yeah. to the source. Like They're, we just you act. guys are doing the marketing and the helping with the distribution of their food. Yeah, because they don't smart. want. The, I mean, most of the farmers don't want anything to do with that, and it's not their specialty. They just want to do their farming yeah. right well, so it's probably a benefit to them think about this like we use someone here for some of our chicken called hidden root farms and her name's Lori, and she's the sweetest lady you'll ever meet and it's her and her husband who raise these chickens under the uh, ontario artisanal chicken program which is pretty much like one of the highest end sort of artisanal pasture raised they're outside every single day she only raises them in the summer and you gotta understand that this lady this does she does this full time so she's raising animals full time and then has to go to the farmer's market and try to sell the product right it gets really tricky if you're trying to do it at a small scale so with us, it makes it a lot easier because, hey, we have a bunch of people looking for this type of product and we can get the product to them. So why don't we just partner together? And, and you're a consistent source of business for her. So exactly. she, now she knows, OK, True Local is going to mean this much to me. Yeah. It helps. It's changing right? the space a lot. Like it's actually the next evolution, I think, for small scale farmers because they're they've essentially been left behind in the digital age. So that's what True Local is all about. And that's what we're evolving into is kind of being the one stop shop from the consumer side. It's like, OK, I know that I can shop with one of my favorite farms because they're obviously listed on True Local. And that's what we want to eventually get to when and people are listening to this they're going to definitely think the podcast on 1.5 speed listening to you <laughs> I, oh yeah I, I, for sure <laughs> i told hey i gave you i gave you a heads up in advance uh no, you, good, just, you should it's probably good. take it down and no, no, do it like good. slower it's speed but it's good i, I mean i speak quickly but I, you definitely have yeah. me beat i get excited but about i think it. i think stuff, it's so. beyond even what you're saying i think it's an evolution of just food in general yeah like i really think people are going to understand just because i see it in europe like everyone talks about the quality of food over there all day every day here we never talk about that, but except in the last few years, I found now the conversations are just starting yeah. where it's like, hey, where are you getting that food? How sure. are you getting that food? What kind of food is that? That's a new conversation. Before it was always just like, what's the sale on the ground beef? Exactly. Out, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you to a point, though, because I always look at the other side and I'm like, so in Croatia specifically, that area of Croatia where, where we go. Yeah, the middle, there, of, there, middle of nowhere. Well, there isn't much. It's just on the coast. So there isn't much industry other than tourism and the people there that, you know, so they don't have as much going on. As compared to like the busy North, typical North American so lifestyle, Dubrovnik or right? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. you've been there. so it's right. Uh, in between, my girlfriend's right Bosnian. Between. So oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So she's been to Croatia a few times. So it's right in between kind of Dubrovnik and split right on the coast gotcha, there, okay. right? So there's not, you know, there's, there's a little thin sliver of the country, but even the, the rest of the country in North America, everyone's running around, so they're, so they're worried about stuff. So I agree with you, with you where it's happening more, and I'm I'm not sure if it's. There is a little bit of a trend towards it. Absolutely. I agree with that. But then I'm like, you know what? As we get older, people have to start doing stuff to kind of, you, you realize your body starts falling apart. So you got to kind of take care of yourself a little bit more. So I'm just wondering, is it like wholesale or is it just kind of like you're more aware of it? So you, you're, you're, you're tuned to listen to, to that type of conversation. And because of the stage of your life you're at, that more people are looking into it. Because I don't think the average kind of university or college kid, I think that the, the mac and cheese on sale for 99 cents is still appealing to a lot. Of, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's not going to I guess change. That's, well, that's what I'm wondering. I think, I guess kind of look at both sides. Like I think there's definitely a trend towards it. Like we're in business for one reason. It's the fact that people are willing to spend a little bit more to get better quality Fair, and find yeah. that. I think that's the biggest thing and that people are starting to realize now back in the day there wasn't such a stark contrast between value-added quality food and the like econo sort of conventional you know mass volume food that's a good point and now people are really starting to differentiate the two and you're starting to see the differences and people are marketing the differences and that's why i tell people all the time if people say like is it worth the extra you know 10 to 15 percent on your grocery bill i might just put put them side by side 
Like literally put it side by side and check the difference, taste it for yourself, and I don't think you'll ever go back. So is that all yeah, it is, 10 to 15%? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like if you start talking about it and people go and, and then, well, let's talk about True Local specifically, but we can talk about the industry as a whole. Like with True Local, the thing is you get to customize your box and do all this type of stuff. And don't worry, this isn't a sales pitch or anything, but where I'm going with this is that people tend to fill their box with all their favorite things. Filet mignon, wild-caught salmon, steaks. Bacon. Yeah, ba- well, no, bacon's actually the good side of it, but yes, bacon is amazing. <laughs> That's going to fill your box up really quick. It costs more, right? Those are expensive products, but because it's online, people do a wish list of things, right? Whereas if you could buy products like the ground stuff, stuff that you're going to eat that are more of your staples, it makes more sense. And same with the industry side of things. Like I think a lot of people have this idea that, oh my God, I'm going to spend an extra dollar um, on this, I don't know, pound of ground beef yet, you know, you'll go over your data plan without thinking twice and you'll, you know, get those Tim Hortons coffees all the time. I always say this, like meat wasn't meant to be cheap. If you think about it back in the day, you know, the idea of raising a cow properly is 24 months, two years, right? And that steak that comes out. that's everyday work. That's everyday work. Two years. We've done done it. We've taken the cows out to pasture from the barns and brought it back and stepped in their crap when they're walking behind, we're walking behind them. big work. Whipping it with, uh, what what kind of uh, sticks from the tree? Oh, it was a Croatian word. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I forget. (laughs) No, the word's prut. Yeah. You're like, you know, I was too young. To, I just remember like trying to dodge. I never, I never hit the cows. I feel bad. It was always that, that, that young guy that did it. Not me. I was he was young. He was smaller, than, happy about he was right smaller than us. He managed 20 cows. We just kind of hung out. Hey, you take care of them, man. You got it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like, sorry, I cut you off. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Right. So, you know, meat was never supposed to be expensive, but as demand grew, you know, massive corporations and people found ways to mass produce this and drive the price down, 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 which means that, you know, the quality has gotten It's a good point when they roasted this. a lamb, like when, when they do a lamb roast at our farm there in Croatia, that was a big event. Oh yeah. So to your point, it wasn't an everyday event. Yeah. It's a special meal. It's a special meal. Special meal. But now people want to eat steak every single day and now you've got this mass production. So what ended up happening is, you know, when you think about meat, it was supposed to be pricier, but they keep driving it down, like I was saying before, right? So our argument isn't actually to eat more meat. Like we're not advocates. I don't sit here and promote and be like, hey, eat more meat. What I say is you should probably, you know, depending on what your diet, maybe eat a little bit less meat, but the quality of the meat that you're eating should be better. Right. So you can keep your budget in the exact same eating better quality products. Just eat a little bit less of, you know, don't have a steak every single night, you know, switch it up a bit. Yeah, that's so. a good point. And I, I also think I think, Nick, there's just a bigger affluent class. You know, just how we talk about the destruction of the middle class. Oh, yeah. On oh, in Canada. yeah. There's, sure. there's a bigger affluent class that will pay for this stuff. And unfortunately, I think the separation will happen over the next 10 years where. I, 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 we've talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast or not, but I really think 10 years from now, the difference between people who the haves and have nots will not be like, what car are you driving? I really believe it's going to be what's the quality of food that you're eating or are able to So you eat. think the gap's going to be bigger? Is that what yes, you're I absolutely agree bigger. I think, and I think that people can afford it yeah. Will and they might not even want to advertise it, but they might be getting good quality food and, and yeah. there's going to be a bigger chunk of the population that maybe wants the better quality food but can't get it and will go for the mass production stuff that we're talking about right 100%. here. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And I think like, yeah, you're right. Like I do think that over the next 10 years, like if there's another crash or something like that, I think that's where you're going to watch this divide go because the haves are going to be able to scoop in and get all these opportunities that the have-nots won't. Which the is unfortunate. Won't. Lost. It, which Those, is a, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, there's, uh, I think there's a big, uh-huh. and I think it's coming. To be honest, Mark, you're allowed so. back on the podcast. You agree? Uh, with hey, us? <laughs> no, you agree I'm with jo- Tom? No, yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I, you know what? I like your point though about the the difference between kind of like the commercialized meat and kind of the small producers. The quality, I think, you know, back in the day, like you were saying, it, it was closer. Like it might yeah, it might not have been absolutely. the same, but it was closer. And as the commercialized farmers tried to keep driving down prices and prices, because the Walmart, the WalMarts of the world are like, hey, we need cheap 
cheaper meat yes. to be able to sell to our customers and they just look for all these shortcuts and, and then it, the gap has widened yeah, a little bit. Water, yeah. and I guess I never really thought about it like that, but it does make, it does make sense. I'll share the first time that I ever got, um, I guess from a small local farm around here, I forget which one it was, it was, and I got it was it was a grass fed steak, but I remember cooking it, and it was a little bit gamier, right? It's a little bit flavor if it's like grass fed and grass finished, um, but man, the meat you can't you couldn't burn the damn thing. Like if you if you had to, like you you it's like you had to try That's a different, to burn different it. Meat. Whereas like the the compared to the typical kind of conventional grocery store type type thing, it's a, just a lot different environment. Not as juicy, not as flavorful. Like there is a noticeable difference for if anyone's into that and kind of appreciates it. The vegans right now are squirming. And oh they, gosh, they hate, they hate us, right us at this point. They've already turned this yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly it's night and day. And we always try to tell people that. And like that's always saying we talk about the ten to fifteen percent. I'm like man, it's the best ten to fifteen percent you're ever gonna spend. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. it's uh, and like. I said like coming from like a struggling student at the time you know i didn't care much about it i think i appreciate it more because i did buy stuff for a dollar 99 and i i, I you know because I didn't, I didn't i didn't even know to look for i didn't know there's a difference oh me too you know, that's oh, we've all like, been so there. Know yeah, there's yeah. a difference like i would even argue today that people are still wondering like what is this whole grass fed thing all about i don't even care totally. like, you know it's still out there it's still not this type of stuff still isn't mainstream yet like we're still in the early adopter phase you know like that's where we're at and like you were saying before i think that it's gonna keep trending more towards so how did you guys get started in the like you said you were in school your health background and then you kind of got this job but like what 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 was the genesis of true local like how did right. this begin so yeah well we like i said i was working in this space before super randomly kind of fell into my lap and it was a great opportunity i was there for about four years and you know i think that kind of molded my future and you know financially and all this type of stuff but it also opened up my eyes to the to the problems in the space and how if you wanted to get let's say farm quality or value added whatever you wanted to determine it as you for the most part had to drive out to the farms so a lot of people couldn't do that and the only answer they had was the companies that will go door to door so they will go door to door and kind of offer you a year's worth of meat at the time and that's where i worked and same questions over and over again a lot of it was around the business model like i don't want to get a year's worth of meat at a time like i don't want to store my freezer i don't want to pack my freezer you don't so. want to be like my brother who puts half of his meat in my freezer it, exactly right so then and then you're the one who eats well, I kept a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, kept, I kept a car and hit my garage for you for like four months. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay, fair trade enough. Trade off. Trade off. So yeah, we looked at that, and we, you know, my background's a little in technology. So you know, I uh, I've always looked at it where you know there's nothing super crazy and innovative about what we do, right? What we've done is looked at best practices in other industries, everything across the board, like e-commerce, SaaS, even real estate. You know, we've we looked at it and saw that a lot of these people were innovating and doing cool things. Why don't we just take what's working well in those industries and bring it into a space that no one really is excited about which is once again kind of helping the local farmers and we just so happened to know meat because that was the background so we're like look why don't we start here and this is where we're going to go and we realized that like it meets hard enough like meat is very difficult to deal with and that's why you won't see a lot of companies doing both very very well um if it's a niche business so we decided to focus on the meat side of it and we took it all online we figured that people don't want a year's worth so let's give them the ability to order just you know a box at a time and they can choose if they want it to come every two weeks every three weeks or just want one box we figured let's do next day delivery because that's sweet you know doesn't want next day delivery and then we gave them the ability to customize their box and see all of it online so we figured that you so know we're solving the problem you identified all, the yeah. problem and solving the problem classic and entrepreneurship that, that's what it was yeah. and then from there my biggest thing has always been branding like i know for a fact that i always say this that if you you know if you're not a vegan and you're not a vegetarian let's say and you you for the most part you like meat like you're like hey you know what i like to eat meat but no one likes to think about meat right like no one likes to think about a steak so i'm like you know what if you can actually make a brand that has a mission that actually has yeah, some people can get behind then people might get actually excited about it and you can look at it from our social like our, our social you know 
people people really got behind the brand and i think it's all because of the mission and it's all because of like hey look you know what true local if you're going to be eating meat if you make that decision then it should be better quality it should be local should be more sustainable and it should help the farmers and the, and the suppliers that are in the area so for people listening to this who want to start their own business and stuff inevitably the question of money comes up how did you did you guys have money problems when you started did you is that oh, yeah. you, is that how you ended up on day. dragon yeah sure of okay course. like every dragon's <laughs> den is that how you take us to the point of dragon's den yeah so okay so money problems there's two different money problems there's business money problems and there's personal money problems right so we were super lucky like fortunately throughout the course of my life i've had a lot of opportunities financially and like i said with the job that i was at before but i went to this uh mastermind event and it totally changed my world and it was ironic because which to, one was that maybe, uh, maybe it was we called were at it was it. called go abundance and no, we it was this guys no. david osborne ran the event okay. and uh he's actually keller williams guy out of austin cool and uh it totally changed my world so at the time i was like i said i just bought a couple uh investment properties and i was really trying to kind of like you know expand my network right and that's one thing I realized. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a, a jump here. One of the buddies of mine messaged me and said, hey, there's this networking event. And like, I forget exactly how we're going to butcher this, but you either need to be making a million dollars a year or be worth $5 million, neither of which was I even close of. But they're like, hey, you're young and you're doing cool we'll shit. let you in. Yeah. Like, you know what? Come on. You know, here's a pity invite. So it was for only guys. It was about 30 guys. And it was just literally to get together and just mastermind ideas. So got to this event. It was amazing. I was actually working on a side project at the time, um, a different website that uh, it was part of the sharing economy, but just kind of had some cool things on the go. And I actually met David Osborne, the guy who organized the event, because we shared this awesome love for ping pong. So crushed ping pong, you know, the entire weekend. And he said this thing to me, you know, he's super successful, worth, you know, $100 million. And he told me, he's like, you know what, you're making, you know, X amount, like $200,000 a year. He's like, that's the scariest number you're ever going to make because you're 22. I think I was 23 at the time. You're 23. People struggle leaving their $50,000 a year jobs, safety of the $50,000 a year job to go start their own business. You know, what kid's going to leave 23? It was a grin on his face, right? Because he's like, you know, he knows, right? So I'm like, I took that home and I realized, I was like, you know what? He's totally right. Like for me, it's not necessarily about the money, but at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I didn't have too many skills. Like I didn't, you know, I was good at sales, right? So for me, it's an amazing skill in itself, but I'm not going to walk into another $200,000 a year job if I lose this job and I can't take vacations whenever I want. I can't do all the things I want to do with this. So I realized I wanted more in life and I was like, I had to kind of just pull the plug. So me and actually my co-founder, we both work for the same company and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what? Like, this is the time. Like, we ought to do this. So we quit our jobs cold turkey. Should have planned it way better because, you know, <laughs> we're making good money. If I stayed yeah. for an extra two uh, months, that's how it, it begins, been, though. Yeah. That's how it begins. I always say, you know yeah. what? And, like, I think that's part of the journey, right? Like, it's part of the mentality. It's part of, like, the it's just what makes you who you are. So we quit, literally made the decision over Christmas break, I think, and then quit January the day we got back. Hey, we're quitting. And then in February, we started True Local. So we had a little bit of money to throw into the business, um, which helps a lot. And like I said, like, you know, my story worked really well for me. Everyone's going to have their own story, right? Different means, different opportunities. So we had a little bit of money that we could throw into the business. And then that went by really, really quick, though. And then luckily, um, ironically, that networking event, I actually found our first investor. So was able to meet with him and he believed in what we were doing. So we got some money there. We had actually just raised money before going on to Dragon's Den. So for us, the Dragon's Den opportunity was an amazing exposure opportunity. And at the time... Time, we were one of the only people doing, you know, online meet in a box in the mail in Canada, right? You'll see pop-ups all over the place now, and that's like any industry it goes. But at the time, we were the first guys to do it, and a lot of people were kind of like, "I'm not ordering steaks in the mail. That's weird." <laughs> the U.S. had gotten behind the idea, like they've got yeah, I think they've companies. had Omaha steaks, Omaha steaks for like forever. Yeah. yeah, like huge, huge, huge companies doing this type of stuff, and you know, it's just Canada's always a little bit behind and population-wise. So for us, it was like the idea of going on to Dragon's Den 
gave us the the I guess um the not the confidence the uh the credibility that we needed to kind of start getting into the mainstream. That's so, true. Cause once people see you on a CBC show for Dragons sure, then, and then you take the risk, right? Where it's like, okay, we're going to go there and either crush yeah, you're it or shit like the bed. So it's yeah, like, we're yeah. either going out of business tomorrow. Cause people are like, yeah, I knew meat in the mail sucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or it was going to be a good idea. So um, we did it and it was this amazing opportunity. And yeah, we had always been set fi- for the financing side of things. Like it always been good. We just do a good job of pitching and raising and do what we needed to do. And for us, Dragon's Den wasn't about the money at all. It was about the exposure. And now we're working with Michelle, which is awesome as well. Because and I'm sure you found a hit of exposure after that show. Huge, I would imagine. yeah, of course. Yeah. And okay. once again, you know, I said I stopped kind of watching Dragons. Then I, I got into Sharks Tank, the U.S. version uh, of it. Yeah. But I used to watch trader. Dragons. Then I know I'm a trader, but it's unintentional. I think I just put that on my DVR to record. I watched them like. both. I watched them both. Shark Tank is typically more. Shark Tank's entertaining. It's bigger, bit more, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. You get a it's a U.S. The production compared to Canadian. Exactly. Exactly. Typically, you've been on there and yeah. stuff, right? But yeah. uh, okay, so you get on there, you yep. get a bump in exposure. You know, Huge, it's yeah. a noticeable one. And okay. it's ongoing too because we're that company. Like we're those guys, right? Like we're the like, for in, in our space because you look at it like you look at it with meal kits, you look at it with meal prep. They get hyper competitive, right? And everyone's kind of just doing the same thing. So how do you differentiate? It's always going to be this sort of thing that's priceless to be like, hey, uh, were you the ones on Dragons Den? Like, yeah, we're the ones that were on Dragons Den. Like we're the ones that came up with this idea for Canada originally so it really helped a lot just in that alone so were you guys shocked about how fast when you start a business you could burn through money because oh, I mean Nick man. and I when we started this and we would just burn through money I don't think even people understand how fast we we went through that first 80 we went through an oh, $80,000 which we thought was going to last us forever. forever yeah well yeah and, I thought 80 grand we, I'm like 80 grand this is like this is all we yeah, need. I can't yeah, remember yeah. what the time How do you is. need more than that? Like, yeah, like, that's, that's like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I can buy. Yeah. I can buy the world. We burned this, through that I? in a couple yeah. months. I feel like oh, it yeah. was gone, and our marketing choices were all wrong. At one point, we said we could have had more fun with those marketing dollars if we t- went and took the money outside and burned it. In oh front yeah, of for our, sure. At least you get some warmth out of that. Yeah. You know, instead of that cold feeling you get when marketing strategy doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. No, I say you got to 10x it. Like you got to whatever you think you're gonna spend in 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 burn. Like honestly, 10x it. Like you've got to be ready. And like, obviously that's like not where you want to be, but especially if it's your first business and especially if it's in your first few months, like you got to be ready to, to lose cash and you got to have a backup plan for if you get to that point. So you were like, fortunate that you could go sell people on your idea. Like you're obviously passionate enough about it. You went out and did the networking on it yep. and you found money to, oh yeah, help absolutely. You, to help push you through. How long has True Local been in business? I don't know how many years. you guys Two and a half years now. Oh, you two and a half years. You guys are in the building because of good for you guys. This is oh, the we're hardest still, stage like, we're, for you guys. Yeah, we're not. Zero to three years to us is like survival. Oh, mode. for sure. We're surviving every day and people, people always talk and because we're on Dragon's Den and this and that, they think that we're like... Totally. made it or something man i wake up crying every day like <laughs> stuff's hard you know so like it's yeah we're very much like it's me and my friends and you know friends and family pretty much trying to get this going and none of us had any experience in any of this stuff like we had digital marketing and technology a little bit of a background there but order fulfillment customer service expanding into different provinces you know dealing with suppliers we didn't do any of that stuff that's not what we do like we had to learn these on the go every single day and there's still challenges coming up even now like putting a team together that's a huge thing you know hiring finding the the right talent that not only hiring the right people knowing when to fire them right if they're not the right people and then also getting the integrations the communications among the team making sure the team can work independently these are all things that like you don't think about in the early days summed it all up you've summed up all the problems right there we're (laughs) we're, we're 10 years in we're just smiling at you because we're like yep those are all the correct problems (laughs) every business owner is is nodding oh 100 it's the biggest it's the biggest thing so but do you ever look back though and like does that two hundred thousand dollar job look pretty good right now no not at all not even close never yeah never never I, uh, you know what I always looked at, I just, I just want to, I want to live a life that I can just do whatever I want. 
And it's not about the money. I've always said that, you know, and people say it and it sounds kind of cliche, but it really isn't about the money. I just want the freedom. Like I really genuinely do. I want to work on the projects I want to work on. I want to work with the people that I want to work with. I want to go where I want to go. And there's no job that can give me that. Yeah, no, that's cool. You know what I mean? So I want to get myself set up. I'm 27 now. You know, I want to get myself set up and I want to be able to prove to people that, hey, you know what? Like, you know, I was able to put a team together. We were able to get this off the ground and we, we, you know, we, we talked the talk and we walked the walk. So, so where are you now? You're in Ontario. We're in Ontario. You're in British Columbia, you said? BC, yeah. And Alberta or and no? In Alberta, yeah. In Alberta. So to, to start in other provinces, that is a freaking big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you guys, both of you guys flew out there, met farmers, started mm. call, cold calling for referrals? No, we split roles a while ago, so it's completely different. So like okay. I'll handle certain things, he'll handle certain things, but uh, we've got, um, we, you know, in Ontario, it's funny, like, I know if our original suppliers are here in the store, remember when we first walked in there and they were kind of like, I don't yeah, know about these guys. These like guys, These guys yeah. are weird. We're like, yo, we're going to change the space <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be a game changing and it'd be great if you get with us now. And they all kind of give you that look. And uh, it was hard in the early days to get suppliers and farmers to want to trust you. And, you know, these farmers spend a lot of time and put a lot of effort into the animals. Some of those early and customers, though, they must be just high fiving you now when they some see of, you. Yo, they're some of my best friends now. Like, honestly, like uh, some of our customers, the, the people that the, I know every business owner probably says this, but I swear, man, our, we got the best customers in the world. Like our community supports us like you wouldn't believe it's insane. And I, I really don't know what it is exactly, to be honest, why they, they get so behind it. But it's exactly what fuels us uh, like every single day. So I think, you know in the early days trying to get these suppliers on board was really tricky. Now though, you know, the most recent province we did was BC. We had suppliers messaging us like months before they got whiff that were coming out there and they're messaging us like months before to get on the platform and do that. So it's crazy, right? Like things change, you know, that sourcing suppliers in terms of, us choosing the ones to work with is tricky, but having a list of suppliers to work with isn't. Like we must have an inbox of you know over a hundred people that are looking to get with the platform that we're trying to 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 get and facilitate, right? So that's uh, just a different different challenge in itself. Yeah, good for you guys. And then so the website, you guys had the tech skills, which I think you kind of dismissed, not dismissed, but you kind of brushed by that a little bit. Why did you have those tech skills? They came from university or? It was project management. So this is my third startup. So ironically, uh, so I'll never forget. Actually, I'll never forget when I realized that I wanted more. And it was, you know, I was in university, I was in second year. And this is like the time of your life where like if I could get like five bucks to take to the bar to buy like two drinks at like $2 night, that was a big win for me, right? Yes, that was good night, yeah. And uh, it was Snapchat. So Snapchat was just coming out and I hated it. So I was not about Snapchat. This must have been like 2013, maybe. Why did you hate Snapchat? I don't know. I don't even know okay. why. I just didn't like okay. it. I just wasn't. We don't use Snapchat. it, but my son, my son's 16, and they yeah. all that generation. Oh, for sure, yeah. All the Snapchat generation. Right? Yeah, like we're we're old as hell for not using Snapchat. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. you know. So I, if you're uh, old at 27, then yeah, <laughs> we're really old. Man, well, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. But so. I remember we're sitting around and like I said, I'd live with my four friends and we didn't care about anything other than just having a good time and getting through university. And I remember hearing on the news or on the TV and it was Snapchat had just turned down a $3 billion offer from Facebook. And that like hit me like a, like a truck to the face yeah. because I couldn't even conceptualize what a million dollars was at the time. And you just told me this toy, this like app, which I hate by the way, 
is worth like three billion dollars like what like i like, it blew my mind so i'm like okay well like we're in the wrong business we need to go make this because we could do it better right and that's what we thought so me and my four buddies who have no business background <laughs> no business background we're gonna whatsoever go start a competitor yeah we had no business background whatsoever like i said my degrees in health they were all in like canon political science and all this stuff and we're like here's what we're gonna do we're gonna get five thousand dollars together we're gonna build an app It'll take like three months and we'll be millionaires by the summer. Like, it's good. Like, we got this. It's all covered. Like, that was literally the game plan. Oh, by the way, none of us have any skill sets. Let's put this business 25, 25, 25, 25. This would be great. Like, let's make this happen. So that's uh, that didn't work out that way at all. <laughs> so we did that for about. Did I will you manage s- to even raise the $5,000? We did because oh, it was our oh, money. Oh, okay, yeah. It was always oh, our money. Okay, and we okay. put our money in. I think it was actually $5,000 each. So and at the time in universe, I was OSAP money, obviously. But um, OSAP has so, been used for many OSAP, reasons yeah. other than education. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so we uh, yeah we did that, and it lasted six months, and it was a complete failure. However, when I look at the next venture I went into, the amount of stuff that we used from those failures was insane. So it was we did a bunch of random marketing, like reach out to news, like didn't know what to do this, reach out to news publications and blow them up until they want to feature us, and they would do it about these four random kids doing this app that is obviously going to fail out of Waterloo. <laughs> like it was all these things. You guys but, had the good story though. You're in university. You're from you're in Waterloo. Were you at Waterloo? Yeah, we're at Waterloo. So exactly. the story so worked, sold. and the timing worked yeah, too, yeah. right? So once yeah. again, you know, you got this whole Snapchat offer going around, and um and and yeah. So actually, ironically, the app was this was before Snapchat. Was doing the messaging right so we're like hey look snapchat's doing pictures we're gonna do messaging so you send a message once you open it it gets deleted we also added that little deadline feature and this is only relevant because this was early back in the day and it was the whole deadline where you could set a timer so if somebody doesn't open the the message within you know four hours they never got it right right so we did that and you know but we we you know we talked to investors we didn't raise any money but we talked to investors for the first time who like absolutely ripped us up we dealt with the media we dealt with an outsourced developer all this type of stuff that led into the next venture which then led into the next venture, which was more of a uh it was the sharing economy platform i was talking about so that one actually we ended up flying out to austin to pitch some vc so that got a little more serious and then just got some skills from there too that ended up failing and then it was kind of the culmination of both of those um both of those businesses and both of those kind of projects coupled with the fact that the statement i was telling you earlier was like hey you know what like are you going to leave your job for this amount of money it was the fact that I realized that both of these things I was doing as a side hustle, like both of these things were on the side. I never quit my job for them. So I'm like, you know what? Like if I'm going to do something again, I got to go all in. And that's what led into kind of the Where's this of confidence coming from? Your parents? You're like, oh, my parents raised me real well, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm hungry, man. Like it's, you know, I can tell it definitely you're hungry, but the biggest thing listening to your story is you're also resourceful. Like Nick and I always talk about this specific specific point where like we wish we could find people coming out of university mm-hmm. who had resourcefulness. Yep. Like they had the ability to like if you hit a roadblock, you're going to go look for not the one, but the three other things that yeah. you could do to get around that. And then if you have that in your in life, you're going to make it. You're going to survive. I tell this to my son all the time who's 16 right mm-hmm. now. I'm like, you know, Aiden, the biggest thing I can share with you is the ability to be resourceful for yourself. Yeah. Like never oh, yeah. take the first no for an answer, never accept anything. You're going to have to, you're going to hit problems. It's all about how you handle them. You seem to have learned that at a really early age and naturally you have that about you. It seems from just listening to you speak anyway. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, like I just, I've never came from anything, right? Like we came, like I said, like I'm still paying off my OSAP now, you know, like my OSAP, by the way, I used it for myself and then my buddy who had no money to go to Mexico on multiple trips. Oh yeah. We went to Mexico. Did your 
OSAP loan came in, it came Mexico in. Mexico definitely <laughs> has a partnership with, with OSAP. Yeah, government. like, hey, the you know what? Give them an extra three yeah, Gs or something. Yeah. and then The federal government has funded many Mexican trips that they have no idea about. But I remember yeah. making my payments. I think I made my final payments around 27, 28, 29, like paying I'll probably check my balance. Maybe I'm close. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that day walking out of CIBC just feeling like the weight of the world had been lifted yeah. off my shoulders. So, uh, yeah. But it, the, the Mexico trips were worth it. Oh, 100%. But uh, anyway, so yeah, you didn't, you, you've taken OSAP. You're fighting your way along. Just yeah, like 100%. You know, I've never, yeah, I never came from anything. And, you know, my biggest thing was that I just, like, I always look at it like, I remember, I will remember one thing is I remember, I don't know why, but it hit me like a rock one day realizing there's no rule book to life. Like when you go through high school and you go through these things, there's, you got to do this, you got to do that. Here's how it is. And then you get into kind of even early university or late university, you realize that like, there's no rule book to any of this shit. Like none of it. There is a zero rule book. And that kind of opened up my mind to like, so pretty much you can do whatever you want. You just got to find a way to do it. Like if there's no rule book to like, hey, you want to get that, you know, $150,000 job. Well, the rule book would say you have to go through this job and then that job and then that job. But you realize there's no rule book. Well, why don't you just go get that job? Why don't you get that job? Right. And I think I, I don't know if that's what it was, but I do look at that mentality in everything we do. Like if this guy said no, that guy said no, this guy said no. Everybody said no. I'm going to build my own way to do it. Or there's just always a way to make it happen. It's a valuable, to me, it's, it's a valuable skill. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's so, the so most valuable. precious of skills. I think. Well, it's why you were able to come out of, or be in school and have. Uh, when you were in school, you were sharing. I think before we started recording, you were you had a job. You were making about seventy grand or something. Four like jobs. So four I was in school, four yeah, jobs. Four jobs. So I. So was, you had a seventy thousand dollar income while you were in school. Yeah. That's what I mean. Just that alone. Like and just, that was. Yeah, that was so. That was in my last. So that was in my last year. I mean, that, I that's that, yeah. abnormal in and of itself. Your yeah. buddies didn't have four jobs making seventy grand. No, and like to be honest, it was all from that one job. Like I was doing. So I was doing. Actually, I worked for Red Bull as a uh, brand ambassador. So that was more of a fun. More I feel like that's all of a party. Yeah, yeah. If you take red, if you drink Red Bull I, and then start speaking, I don't know how fast you speak. I don't. And that's why I can't take a coffee yeah, okay, because okay. it's bad. But actually, ironically, I don't drink <laughs> Red Bull. But uh, great job to have. Great organization that got it figured out. Um, and then I was a personal trainer at two gyms and then I was working for that meat company. So all in all, like, yeah, I, I really don't know where it came from, but I, I do talk to a lot of people and I try to kind of get them cause they'll say like, Hey, you do this, you talk this way, this and that. Like I'm not special, man. Like there's nothing that I do that's special. I, I know I'm hungry and I, I feel like I might be hungrier than other people, but like, I'm not overly intelligent. I'm not in any of these things. Like I think anybody could do what I do if they woke up every day and like, were like laser focused. I'm that's just, one it's, thing. it's interesting that you quit that job at making 200,000 really early. The, the gentleman, I forget his name who said, Hey, like it's, you know, you're making yeah. 200,000 at that age. That's good that you pulled the trigger at that age because it if is. you make 200,000, it yeah. every yeah. year it gets harder and harder. Like I'll never forget meeting one of our cousins. And when I first graduated university, I got a job offer from Royal Bank. I think it was from like, for this is how old we are, $35,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, I guess that's good. Yep. And when I went to go have lunch with him, he was already working there. He said, Hey, if you work here, it's like having the golden handcuffs on, man, you're going to yeah. get like the, but he was telling me that like a positive, yep. but I was hearing it like a negative. Yeah. Like he was telling me they're going to match your RRSP contributions. Oh, you're going to get all this yeah. kind of stuff. And he was adding up the value in this. And I was sitting there at lunch with him in downtown thinking, Oh my God, this is horrible. Like I'm going to have to stay in this one job for like 20 years. Yeah, and it's, it's this, a time. It, it, so he was like, literally thought he was helping me, yeah. but I walked out of there thinking I'm not going to be able to survive here. I have a moment yeah. like that too. And it was when my boss told me, he's like, so we had just crushed it. I was making good money, all this stuff. And he's like, Mark, he's like, I want to offer you a million dollar job. And I was like, sweet. Now that we're talking, let's have a conversation. He's like over five years. And when he said that, he said like such a good thing. Like you're going to be a millionaire in five years. And then, <laughs> 
he said that and I was just like, yeah, you totally shot. I think that was a big thing that put me out the door too. I'm like, you just shot yourself in the foot there. Like that just, when it hit me, I was like, oh yeah. Like, okay. Like, yeah, it's an okay sales pitch, I guess. But I totally get what you're saying. Like he was amping it up. Like it was a good thing, which like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like to where I wanted to go in life and what I want, I was like, no, nah, this isn't, this isn't going to work for yeah, me. So yeah, yeah. it was something early on that Nick and I kind of figured out starting this business and it, uh, it helped us with our income is that. I realized that if I'm going to work on any problem, it might as well be big problems. Like I know we've all read this in books and you've heard about it before, but in our lives, whenever Nick and I get stuck somewhere, it's because I feel like we're focusing on a problem that's too small for us. And I'm like, you know what? We're wasting our time figuring out this problem. Let's ignore the problem, which I know sounds like crazy bad advice, but let's ignore this problem in our business right now and go work on something that's a bigger, better problem. Mm -hmm. And whenever we've done that, the problem that we were like, that was taking up all our emotions and our kind of energy just magically kind of solves itself. Oh yeah. And I just found in life that not only makes you successful in whatever you're going to do by just finding bigger problems, it also helps your income. Oh, you end up just, just, growing your income by focusing on bigger stuff. Right? Just a, not a, good for your relationships. You, because if your wife wants to focus on that small problem, you try to tell her it doesn't matter. <sighs> no. I've learned that that's not yeah, a no, good then you idea. Focus you learn, you see, like, <laughs> and now you find different ways to get around that You focus on that problem and yeah. you explain how that's the best, most important <laughs> most problem. Important, yeah. We need <laughs> to discuss the kids' lunches for at least 10 minutes yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got to check out a book. It's called uh, Rocket Fuel. And another thing that like, changed my life, and it kind of talks about how so big challenges that people face, especially like early stage founders, is they try to do it all, which I think to a certain extent you do have to do You're in the early days. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. for sure. And this really differentiates the difference between a visionary and an integrator. And the biggest problem is that everybody thinks that it's a one and a two. But the fact is it's a one and a one. These are two completely different people that when they get together and learn how to work well together and accept each other's strengths and weaknesses, it's like rocket fuel. And if you look at any major company, you look at, you know, Apple, you look at um, Amazon, you look at Tesla, you look at all these different companies. Yeah, like Netflix, you got Reed Hastings and Patty McCord. You know, you've got uh, Tesla and those COO and essentially the CEO, you've got Tesla and it was like uh, what Elon Musk and Bobby Brown, Billy Bob Brown, something like that. Anyway, Steve Jobs and Wozniak. Yeah, Yeah, Steve Wozniak, right? And there's... Only the reason they think it's a one into two is because one usually gets the spotlight, but usually the two doesn't really want the spotlight or the the integrator. And the biggest thing is that visionaries do what visionaries do well. Integrators do what integrators do well, but a visionary can never do what an integrator does and an integrator can never do what a visionary does. And as soon as they accept that, it's like the most beautiful partnership. And I think that, that was a big thing for me is was understanding that, hey, look, you know, you can't do everything. I love the ideas and I love figuring it out. And I think that I do a good job of that and I can integrate to a certain extent. And like you've done it, like anybody who started a business is in some way, shape or form a visionary and an, and an integrator. But when you're trying to scale that business, you can't do it all. You got 20 employees at this point. You can't be doing the visionary stuff and the integrator stuff, right? So that was a, a really, a really good book that I think kind of like led to what you were talking about. Very earlier. cool. So yeah. uh, w- walk us through the next few years. Where do you th- see True Local? Yeah, well, we just want to bring technology to the suppliers and the farmers. Like we want to make it where you look at now. You got companies like Instacart. And you got companies like Whole, uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods, and they're making everything so easy. Everything is so simple. And I always say this about these companies and whether or not Amazon competes with you, like whether or not you are competing and selling the same product as Amazon. Amazon is competing with you by changing consumer expectation, right? Everyone gets so used to go to Amazon, you know exactly what you're looking for, one click and it's in your house in an hour. It doesn't matter if they're selling your product, when customers go to your website, they expect that same quality of service. So I think there's a lot of industries that got left behind in the digital age, like 
could be five years behind now. And I think that farming and I think that uh, supplier and local food is definitely one of them because the money's not as big, right? If you're a, you know, a, a hundred million dollar funded business, what are you going to focus on? Mass production of food and major grocery stores? You're going to focus on the niche side of it. Yeah. I have no interest in making True Local become a billion dollar company. I like the size that we're at. And I like the market that we're hitting. And I think that we can be the number one player with the brand that we have, with the community that we have, with the suppliers doing with it now, with the problem that we're solving. I think that we can be that digital entry point for farmers to be able to connect with consumers, to be able to not have to go to the farmer's market every single week, um, to be able to just do what they do best, which is raise and produce the product and then partner and allow consumers to buy this online. So that's what we want to make True Local become. And I'm sure some of these farmers are very receptive to that because I feel like they're, at this point, some of them are realizing this, that they're not going to be able to get their product out the door with someone out help, without someone helping with the exposure and yep. the distribution of it, right? Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, there are customers. So like I'm a customer of yours and yeah, I just want to thank you for starting what you've started because Nick and I, we've been talking about food. I had my own health challenges over like six years to, with Nick's help, changed up my diet and started going to the gym and stuff like that. It really made a huge change in my own life. And then that's when I started trying to find out good local food yep. and it was difficult. And we still have our different sources that we both go to and stuff, but then stumbling apart uh, a company like yourself where you can just kind of go online and build mm. the box and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's huge. I think what you're doing and I think as the message kind of gets out there more the value of good quality meats to your point earlier you don't have to eat a steak every day mm -hmm. but just when you do if you get a good quality one yeah. what it could mean to you and your health so um, I, I, I know not everyone's going to agree with what I just said but for those who do um, it's an option that you guys are bringing to the table that didn't exist Cue the hate mail yeah for sure yeah, yeah, you know what fine. I always say this is funny because you know I think the biggest thing like you know let people live their lives you know what I mean like you want to eat meat eat meat it's fine you know my, my biggest focus on it is like hey look you know if you're going to eat meat let's try to get better quality yeah. more sustainable meat and that's i think like give people a choice right so but I, I want to thank you like honestly i always say this and like this is like pretty much reciprocal to anybody who's listening that's a customer like we would not be here today like i said i'm a 27 year old kid and people are trusting me with selling the product and all this type of stuff and they're you know expecting a service so i appreciate anybody and i appreciate you a lot for even giving us a shot so no honestly, no it's really, all good so how do, so someone listening to this that wants to check you out where where do they go what's the what's the url yeah so it's just www.truelocal.ca true without the e yes so, t-r-u-l-o-c-a-l dot c-a yes and i do have a special offer for anybody who's listening so for you guys yeah we um, didn't ask for this so this is cool that you're doing this yeah man absolutely well i appreciate it. i feel like there's a lot of people like uh, you know young entrepreneurs busy people people that are kind of focusing on their health they all love this type of stuff and i feel like your audience is like pretty much that in a nutshell so we're going to do uh, your life and it's gonna be your life 20 so y-o-u-r-l-i-f-e all caps 20 and they'll get $20 off their box and a free pound of bacon on a regular size box. So cool. if they're bacon lovers, it's a, it's a good deal I, for We them. definitely have some bacon lovers listening to this. Yeah. So yeah, I really appreciate that. We'll put yeah, no that problem. in the show notes somewhere too so they yeah. can track that down. But uh, yeah, Mark, that, Nick, anything else? No, that's Mark, it. Thank Thanks, you so Mark. much, man. Hey, man. Thank you, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Kradz again. So hopefully you enjoyed that. So the URL for True Local, again, is True Local without the E. So truelocal.ca. So truelocal.ca to go check them out. The discount code that Mark generously offered there was your life 20. So it's your life 20, which is $20 off a box and a, pack, a free pack of bacon. So thank you again for, for doing that, Mark. Totally appreciate it. That was unexpected, but we appreciate it. Um, and then if you're listening to this and you have any feedback for us about, or you want any certain guests for us to reach out to the show, we're kind of picky who we're bringing on to this podcast. Um, we've had a bunch of people now that this podcast is getting some traction. We are getting people reaching out to us wanting to come on the show. 
show. If we don't really know them, we're being a little bit suspicious. We're not just kind of accepting anybody to come on here. But if you want someone on the show or you want you want a request that we interview someone, send out your request to podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's the best way to get through us through to us for the podcast. I'm, it must be near the end of the day. I'm stuttering like crazy here. So it's, it's podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. Dot com. That message will get through to us. And if you're enjoying this and you have a chance to give us a rating on iTunes, if you feel like we've earned a rating on iTunes, that is like fuel for us with this thing. We didn't know what we were doing when we started this podcast, but the feedback has been incredible, especially last year, our first year. And this year, we have a lot of big plans for this. So if you think we've earned your rating, if you go off to iTunes and give us a rating or a rating and a review, we totally appreciate that stuff. That's, that is the fuel that keeps this thing going. So really, really appreciate those of you who've gone and done that. Um, I think that's everything for now. Listen, the whole idea behind this is in some way, maybe you're going to take an idea from one of the episodes of this show that will help you live life on your terms, whether it's listening to Mark here on this one or one of the other episodes. So we really want to have a small impact in, in helping Canadians right across the country live life exactly as they want it. We call that living life on your terms. So that's why we're doing this. We hope you're taking some value away for the, from this. Thank you for all the feedback. I think that's it from now. Until next time, your life, your terms.